We build an atmosphere so that God can minister and God can move. Like I say last night, I preached to you all last night. It's not a habit of mine. I pray for you when you're not in here, obviously. But I was praying and preaching from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Do you want to go there? And the title this morning is Jericho is not your residential address. Please say to yourself, I am not staying in Jericho. I am passing through. I'm not going to preach on Jericho, but I want you to have that because we'll get to Jericho in the days ahead. And we're not going on a donkey neither. Genesis 2, 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust. This is you he's speaking to. The Lord God, who? The Lord, your God, formed you from the dust. You were nothing. God Form you from the dust because God created the dust. God created the dust and from the dust, he formed the man from the dust of the ground. And then, get this, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The breath of life. And the man became a living being. That's what it says in my Bible. God took the dust there was life in the dust, but it was only part life because it still didn't have the breath of God. God took it, formed it, shaped a man out of it. And then he breathed his own life. And the man became a living being. That's your position. To be a living be- being, breathing the breath of God in your nostrils, into your nostrils. Do that. That's God's goodness to your life. To breathe his air. Amen. Now folks, there must be something God is allowed to do in your life. There must be something, there must be room we give him. Because if God is going to give us his plans and his destiny, how many of you know God has to do a work in our lives? We cannot fulfill the plans of God in our lives without his work. So in the garden, or should I, in, the, in the beginning, God, watch this, God made a man. But in Christ, Christ must now make the man. God created a man, but now Jesus has to make you. You were created, but now you have to be made. And God makes you through forming you. He forms you. He shapes you. He fashions you. So you were a created being, but now you must be made into his image and his likeness. Amen? And very often, when we pass through life and the walls begin to close in us, what's the very thing it does? It can squeeze the very life out of us, the very breath out of us. It pushes that breath out of us and brings fear fear is an oxygen we all breathe in from time to time do you realize that don't breathe in fear don't breathe in fear exhale it get it out your system amen in the season that you are in yes you're in a season you may not realize the season you're in but you are in a season you know, you wouldn't think that we're in summer right now, would you? You'd think we're more in an autumn with the amount of rain we've had. But we're in a summer, believe it or not. Or not. But deep within us, there is a season going on in you right now. And I'll, it's affecting you personally. It's affecting you psychologically. It's affecting you emotionally. And it's ultimately affecting you spiritually. Whether you realize it or not, you are in a season. But when you don't know what season you're in, therefore you don't know the times you're in. And you don't know how to respond to the time and the season that you're in. When you don't know what's going on inside of you. You see, you may be in summer and fear may be in your heart. So you say, I don't know if I'm in a season of fear or I'm in a season of summer. That can be very confusing. And we've come to knock confusion on the head. Right now, between you, there's a clash going on inside of you. God is describing you. And I'll I'll describe what this is. It's your fear versus your faith. 
Fear versus faith. Will we have enough? Will we make it? Will I get that job? Will I lose my job? Will the kids stay strong? Will the kids make good choices? Will they come back from university in one piece? All these fears. Will we ever have enough to, to get married? Blah, 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 blah. And fear versus your faith is a real fight that's going on inside of you. Then there's a, another battle that's going on inside of you. It's called confusion over understanding. Because when you're, when you're full of fear, you are confused. And you don't understand what's going on. So there's a, there is a battle right now inside of you versus fear versus your faith. Confusion versus understanding. And the third area where this battle rages within you is the spirit of error versus the spirit of truth. Now, the reason why I left the young people in this morning, because I want this will speak to them as much as it speaks to you. And I can give you understanding why those three things come into your heart. I'll let you know where they come from. As soon as you see this, you'll go, oh, yeah, that's me. Your fear versus your faith. Which one's going to speak? Which one's going to win? Which one's going to get three points this weekend? Which one's on the top of the ladder? Which one's on the top of your life right now? Is the fear speaking to you or is faith? Is confusion or is understanding? Is error or truth speaking? Because fear, there's a natural fear and there's an unnatural fear. Unnatural fear is, is, is error. It's not true. So therefore, because it doesn't, it doesn't come from the father of truth, it comes from the father of lies. So it's error, it's, it's not truth at all. And it confuses you. And then what it does then, it depletes your faith. Because fear becomes the overriding emotion. But faith is not an emotion. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is evidence of things hoped for. Things have not seen, but things hoped for. Yeah? So... These are negative traits that enter into you and I. Young people, you're leaving school, you're going to college. There's a lot of pressure on you to make it good. Mum and dad's got expectations, you've got expectations. But what happens if mum and dad's expectations don't meet with yours and yours don't meet with theirs? You can feel a failure, you can feel under pressure, you can feel fearful, confused. And then you will listen to other people and you'll step into an arena that was never for you. Parents, you've got to be very careful. Don't force your kids down narrow passageways to fit with your expectation. You've got to get in the mind of God on the situation. Amen? We want our kids to do well and we work and we raise them to do well. But we've got to know how that means, what, what that looks like in the eyes of God. University may not be for your kids. University may come later. But the golden cow says, go to university. Because in university is the gateway to everything. Not always. The thing is, is, is there's a timing for university. If you'd have put me in university, listen, you couldn't even get me in school. What good would university have been to me? Ah, yeah, but we're talking about educated people. Oh, yeah, I'm educated. It just wasn't then. So I'm approved to you that can, things can come later. You don't see a numpty study, do you? I might act like a numpty at times, but I'm definitely not a numpty. Mama raised no fool. But I was a skelly. The reason why the battle rages in you. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Oh, you're already there, aren't you? Go to verse 9. And here's, here's the crux of the matter. Here's the crux of the matter. Why you enter into fear, confusion, and error. And in verse 9, it says, And the Lord God made all kind of trees grow on the ground. What kind of trees? All kind of trees grow on the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye. And good for food. So they were pleasing to the eye and they were good for food. Two dimensions. So they were good, they were good for the body. And also it was pleasing to the soul. Because it was pleasing to the soul, error is never far away. So it's good for the, it's good for the body, there's fruit on that tree, 
But they were also pleasing to the eye. In other, there was something desirable about those trees. That's the soul speaking. Yeah? In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the middle. Why don't you just put one in the middle? No, no. Because he, stand, he, he planted these trees deliberately as a standout lesson. In the middle of your life, there is always two trees. There's always going to be two trees you're presented with in life. There's going to be the tree that's going to be pleasing to the eye and pleasing, rewarding for the body. Yeah? Rewarding for the body. But there's going to be a tree that you should not eat from. There's always a tree you should not eat from. So when your parents say, don't hang around with him, what they're saying is that's a bad tree. Don't hang around with that gang. Why? Because they're going nowhere. It's a bad tree. It's going to produce fruit. In fact, your mother and father's already seen its fruit. That's why they're warning you. Stay away from that tree. Some young people, your parents often see fruit dangling on trees before you do. And they say, your son, daughter, don't go and taste, don't go and hide under the branches of that tree. Why? Because that tree will seduce you. If you stay in that garden long enough, things will begin to take a hold of your life. Young people, there are trees in, your, in social media. There are trees in your friends. There are tre- trees in your college. There are trees in your street. We're surrounded by trees. But we're not talking about physical trees. We're not talking about trees, these one here. Or outside, we're talking about things that affect our life. And destroy our life. And we're all, every day we're all tempted to sit under one or two of these trees. So the Lord made all kinds of trees out the ground. So there's all kinds of trees, but then there are specific trees. You know, they tell you, if they tell you when there's lightning on the golf course, never to run under a tree. And you think, well, there's a million trees. But the principle is don't. Be caught under a tree when there's lightning. Because Sod's law says, or Murphy's law, whichever law you want to work under, says that it's going to be the tree that you're under. Yeah? And you're going to have a fire. And you're going to be the offering. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees out the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life. Everyone say the tree of life. That's the tree that you should eat from. And then there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, so we have all kind of trees. Watch this. We have all kind of trees. All kind of trees. So right now you go to college, you go to work, you go to school, whatever it is you go to, there are all kinds of trees. But inside those all kinds of trees, there are two trees. In every group, there's always two kind of trees. And you've got to be able to sift through to find out which tree will do me good and which tree will do me bad. And young people don't have this. Why? Because they're so focused on the good. It's the good that gets you. Oh, thank you for all. You know, last night you were a lot more responsive. So we have all kinds of trees. We have trees that were pleasing to the eye. Hey, do you know what trees are pleasing to your eye? Do you know what they are? So a man walks past, a man looks in a magazine, shouldn't be looking in the magazine. He flicks over, wife's gone to bed, turns over on his TV. He hits a channel he was never intended to hit. It was, it was an accident. He's just flicking through. He didn't deliberately do. But instantly, the eye gate was open and he saw a tree that was pleasing to his eye. You go on the internet, you're surfing, you, you know, you sent an email, and you think, oh, just go and look at this website. All of a sudden, you hit a domain that you didn't expect. It's a domain. Why? Because it's a kingdom and it'll trap you. You hit a website, you didn't, didn't intend to go on it, and all of a sudden, you see Bertha. You see Big Bertha. And she's showing something to you 
All kinds of fruit that's, not, that's pleasing to your eye, but will destroy your soul. You didn't go looking for it, but it found you. And at that moment in time, what do you do? Do you pick the computer up and throw it out of the window? Definitely not. You learn control. You realize it's okay. God's lightning's not going to strike me. I didn't do it deliberately. I saw it. Boom, you get it out. And if you're young, if you're young say, tell your mum or your dad, I hit this site. I was not looking for it. Why? Because they know your history. Every computer has a history. At least if you, if you fess up, hey, hey, dad, this came on. You know, Phil told me some, oh, a while ago now, something, he was on his computer and the very thing happened to him. And all these things started popping up. And he's like, whoa. But you know what he did? He told me. Why did he tell me? Because he wanted to be clean before me. And I, I, I honor him for that. Why? He didn't have to tell me. It was an accident. But he told me and he said, hey, this thing's on my machine. I've got to get it off. I don't know how to get it off. These things can just come on your machine. Dead easy, these pop-ups. And it's not your fault if you didn't go looking for it. But once it's here, you better know how to deal with it. But the trouble is with this tree, it's pleasing to your eye. So we have all kinds of trees. Trees that were pleasing to the eye. Trees for food. Tree for life. Tree for life. There's one for food, but there's one for life. There's a tree, watch. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now watch this. If I take, if this is a stick, it's got as much good as it's got as much evil attached to it. It's the same stick. It just depends which end you're looking for. It's the same stick, is it not? Right. So Chris, you get all of that. He's got all evil. I've got all good. But we're all the same. We're both holding on to the same tree. And at any one time, it can flick. In fact, the closer it takes me in, I'm going into evil. And the moment he gets all the evil, he's moving in towards good. It's the same thing. It's contaminated from the very start. But, but the enemy uses the good. Now, here is the problem in the church today. Everybody's looking for good. So we build the church and we make it good. But it's still attached to the evil. God doesn't do good. God is good. There's a difference. God is good and he is good all the time. We don't, what we do is we do things hoping we will feel good. But it can never be good because it's attached to the wrong thing. And then we use our emotions to interpret what good is. So now we've got good down to an emotion. Emotion is not, emotions are good and they're bad. But how do you know a negative emotion can actually be good for you? It can. How do I know? The girl, the girl that you were about to get married to, she jilts you. In other words, she does a runner. Does it feel good, guys? When Mrs. Wright, who you think's Mrs. Wright, walks out the door? Of course it doesn't. Now, in six months' time, you're going to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Then you're going to look back and you're going to go, Woo! I'm glad I didn't marry or go down the road with that one. Why? But did it feel good? But was it good for you? Of course it was. So we know good doesn't always come in a nice, pleasing emotion. Hello. Your fear and your confusion and your error is the result of you picking up and eating from the wrong tree. Oh yeah. There's a tree of life. And there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you think because it's good knowledge, it's okay. So you try and just take the good, but it's attached to the evil. Don't touch it. You've got to recognize the tree that produces life from the tree that's good. Now all young people want good. It's in your nature to go for good. So you have to be trained and be shown Actually, what you think is good 
is not actually good. It's going to bring destruction to your life. But young people say, we're young. We should be free to experiment. No, that's how young people get killed. How do we know that? We've touched some stuff we should never have touched. We had the same conversation with our parents, what we're having with you. In fact, since day one, this conversation has been going on. These trees are in your life. And they're in your garden. They're in your garden. They're in your garden. And you've got to know which tree you should not be sat under. Does this make sense? Remember, it's pleasing to the eye. So then you get the phrase, is it Nike? Just do it. No, why not think about it before you just do it? See, that just do it mentality means sack the consequences, just go with the flow. No, 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 no. That's the thing that's pleasing to the eye. And if you eat it, you will surely die, says the Bible. It's very important that if you... If you're going to train people in the things of God, you must sort these trees out. These must be part of the foundation that if you're going to eat, if you're going to grow and prosper and be, and be a righteous man, then there are some trees that are good for you. Oh, they appear good to you, but they're not good for you. There is a tree that produces life. I want life. I don't just want good and pleasing. Yeah? So, Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man. Why? Because it's pleasing and it feels good. So if it's good, I then interpret that this must be God leading me because it feels good. Yes? But in the end, everyone say, but in the end. There's the destination. There's the destiny. In the end, it will lead. It will lead to death. Now, what it means there, there'll be a physical death and there'll be a spiritual death. In the end. Everyone say in the end. Don't let in the end be your end. There will be an end to your life. Physically speaking. But it's not an end to your life, spiritually speaking. Because you're an eternal being. But if you go the way of the world, who knows what will happen? So the opinions, perspectives, projections and perceptions of men are all connected to this tree of good and evil. Yes. Why? That's how you get error. Because they're connected to the tree... That God told them not to eat from. Because they want knowledge. But the knowledge is flawed. So they know that they have knowledge. They're intelligent enough to know they have knowledge. But they don't see the depth of the knowledge. And the power of the knowledge and where it can lead. This is why God gives us wisdom. Ask for wisdom. So you know how to apply the knowledge. So the knowledge doesn't lead you in the wrong direction. Man has got knowledge and he exercises it and pushes the boundaries in the wrong direction. But then he tells you, especially when it comes to medical practice, they'll take one wrong and they'll try and make a right out of it. So they'll take a fetus from a baby. From an aborted baby. And then they'll justify it by saying, but the medicine that we've researched from this thing is good for Parkinson's disease or it's good for another disease. So now what we do is we try and justify the wrong and making it a good. You cannot. Wrong is wrong. Despite everyone doing it. And right is right despite no one doing it. We must know the difference of how to use knowledge. If you're sat under the tree all of, of good, of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll only ever get the projections, perceptions and perspectives of worldly men. But if you eat from the tree of life, you will, come, you will feed from a tree that goes right into the throne room and you, your roots are grounded in him and he can give you the wisdom and insight and revelation and understanding of how to build a good life. But it all depends which tree you want to sit under. 
Trees can be romantic. But there's nothing romantic about being sat under the wrong tree. So many believers are eating from this wrong tree. And then they try and bring it into the church and then give you worldly wisdom, worldly knowledge, and expect because there's, a, there's an element of truth to it and it's good to some degree, it fits in the church. It doesn't. It doesn't. Because you can taste the fruit. If you've sat under the right tree, you'll know the difference when someone speaks the wrong, from the wrong tree. You know a bacon apple, you don't eat a bacon apple until it's been baked, is that right? There's something about baking the apple that is good for the taste and the flavour. That if you just eat a bacon apple, it's not going to be good for your stomach, is that right? Sour. So you get a Granny Smith's apple, you get a Cox's apple, whichever make you get. You know the difference between a baking apple and an apple. But they both look good. And they both look like they've come off the same tree. But if you know your trees and know your fruit, you know that apple, that Granny apple... I said that bacon apple didn't come off the same tree that the Cox's apple came off. Why? Because you've tasted and you've seen and you understand. What the young people want to do, well, not just the young people, what we all want to do is we don't want to listen to anybody. We want to be free to eat the Granny Smith apple. And then when it's sour in our stomach, pray for me, pastor, take it away. We told you not to eat that apple. Yeah, 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 but no buts. The knowledge of good and evil is where believers go. Thousands, in fact, millions of believers are sat under that tree right now. It's the same, same tree, just have two different ends. Good and evil are connected. When you confuse good as being God, you're in trouble. Well, I, I, I'm... I can't see you for six months. Why? Because I'm working now and I've got a pay rise and, and God's really blessing me, really. So you've now, your understanding and interpretation of blessing is now through pounds. You don't understand that God can supply money different ways to you. You're sat under the wrong tree. It's, you're sat under the money tree. Now your par parents tell you there is no such thing as a money tree. There is no financial phone here at the back. Of my garden. There isn't. The church is in danger of building good atmospheres. And confusing them for being God. But the trouble with a good atmosphere. As opposed to a God atmosphere. The spirit of God is not free to move in a good atmosphere. But he's always free to move in a God atmosphere. Good atmosphere is about you. How it makes the people feel. God atmosphere is about him. What ministers to him? And we must be very careful. These worlds live very close. We can sing our songs and all be happy and think it was God. And how do we know? How, do, how come people do that? Because they've never sat under the tree of life. They're so conditioned to sit under the good tree that they don't know what the God tree looks like. And the only way you find out what a God tree is like is life in the spirit. So when a command is given, when a command is given, I've written this down, don't even speak English to me, this. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Now I've got interpretation now. <laughs> when a command is given, your free will must be voluntarily exercised to obeying that command. When a command is given from heaven, it is your free will. Your free will, that must voluntary exercise your free will. Because when you voluntary exercise your free will, then you have power. You see, how many people struggle to put them, their lives under a chain of command? Whether it's the police, whether it's the government, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a doctor, whatever it is. But true power comes when you volu willingly volunteer, submit your life under that power. Because you did it, no one forced you. 
You did it. And God's looking for that. Now, that's what Adam and Eve didn't have. They submitted to the wrong tree. They submitted to the wrong tree. And Genesis 16, 2, 16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man. He commanded the man. So it was an order. And he did not take the order. So we see straight away he disobeyed and disconnected himself from the chain of command. Right in the garden. And the moment you disconnect yourself from the chain of command, you will eat from an alternative tree. And this is why we have rebellion. This is why we have confusion. This is why we have fear. This is why we have error in our lives. Because we will not take commands. We will not submit to authority. What is one of the problems we have in our nation? In fact, most nations is rebellion. Lawlessness, it is. You are free to eat from any tree. So God gave him, he commanded him and said, you're free at the same time. John, you're free, but I've commanded you to do something. So now he's going to give you the right to exercise your free will voluntarily. He didn't get hold of his hand and take him to the tree. He left him, he instructed him and then stepped away. That's what God will always do with you. But when your parents do it, they don't step away. So when Paul says to Jake, and I'm using Jake because he's right in front of me. If Jake, I said to Jake, Jake, go and do this. Paul's not going to say, well, Jake, if it's up to you, you've got a free will. He's saying, no, son, there's not a time for your free will. Mom and dad have given you an order. Go and do it. So that's called raising him up to a point. But then Jake's going to come to an age in his life where he's going to have a free will. And then he's going to voluntarily submit himself under his father. Aren't you, Jake? He's a good boy. (laughs) So there's a point. Now, this will happen because Paul and Emma have an influence in his life. Paul can't rule him just by laws. I don't know about you, but any kid I know what was raised in a house found a way of breaking laws and rules. Rules and laws don't keep people. But it doesn't stop us instigating them. Why? Because we've got to set the boundaries. And then at some point, if Paul's influence continues, Jake will willingly volunteer. Because what he does then, he hears the voice of the Misterons in his mind. He's just about to do something. And he goes, no, I can hear me dad. I can hear me dad. I can hear me dad. But there is a higher voice coming over his voice that's instructing him. But at least now his conscience is now seared and he goes, whoa, yeah, I won't do that. Why? Because I can hear my dad's voice or I fear my father's wrath. It's the same in the spirit. Go, no, I don't want to do that. I, I fear my God too much that I would make such an error in my life. Yeah? And then he says this, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat. You must not eat. It still applies today. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, we're not ignorant of that tree. We go to school, we go to work, we study, we have to be taught from that tree. Everybody understand this. Every institution... Teaches from that tree. Mm. So, this, so we know that is the method that we're all educated from. That is the blessing and that is the curse. Why? Because it's the two ends of the same stick. Right. But what happens when we don't get that balance? So what is the first thing, watch this, what is the first thing you are commanded to do in the New Testament after you've given your life to Jesus Christ? Be renewed by the renewing of your mind. There's a new education that now has to come to you so that you don't follow the patterns of the world. Which is the pattern of the world? The tree of good and knowledge of evil. That's the pattern that you and I have been educated and raised on. Now we know there's good in that tree. But we all know there's also bad in that tree. So what do we do? Well, I'll only take the good and I'll only take the bad. But you don't know what the good and the bad is. So the Holy Spirit has to train your mind so that you know what is good and what is bad. Welcome to discipleship. That's why you need to be discipled. 
so that the Spirit of God can start the process of teaching you and separating the good from the bad. There's a way that seems pleasing to man. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm not a way, I'm the way. There is, a, there is a way that is pleasing to man, but I am the way, the truth, the life. So I've got to make you now. So the first thing I do is I tell you, come on, disciple, ADTers, what, did it, what you have to do? Put down your nets. Why? Because your nets are the very thing that entangle you. When you're trapped up, trapped in your own net and you can't get out and you go, take that off me. And you get your foot out of there and you step over it. Your life's just one big entanglement. Because you don't know the difference between the two trees. You understanding this? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the moment you can no longer live under the chain of command, watch this, you're subject to wrong Entering into you. Let me show you a scripture. Genesis 3.1. Now, I've been reading Genesis this week and it's been opening up to me. I think, wow, have I ever read Genesis before? This seems like a new book. Is there another book? Is this 67 books? Did God add another one? Genesis version 1, Genesis version 2? No, there's just one. When God begins to open your eyes, it's like you're reading a new book. It's the same book. Now, the serpent was more crafty. Verse 3, it's Genesis 3, verse 1. Here we see straight away the nature of the serpent. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. So, in other words, there are other crafty animals. But this one was more crafty. Now, think of the snake. When have you ever known a snake to talk? But this one did. And after this day, it strikes me, I can't prove this, but I think this, this snake had legs and it was big. Why? Because he was then condemned to roll on his belly all the days of his life and eat dust. Yeah? So, he's more crafty than any of the wild animals that Lord God has made. There's his nature straight away and he's coming after you. And you want to make friends with him? He said to the woman, Oi. He went straight to the woman first, knowing she was potential. Did God really say? So what do you do when you say to your, to your friends, I go to church? <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't really believe in that nonsense, do you? So that's an opinion. Oh, there's no such thing. And when you die, when you die, there's nothing there. Now, it's, now that's a speculation. And they'll carry on and carry on and sow and they'll ridicule you and make fun of you. Your God has no power. That's right. That's because you have no power. Your God has a lot of power. It's you that doesn't have the power. Did God really say, you must not eat from, that, from any tree in the garden? She should have said, yes. He told us exactly what to do. Back off, honky. The woman said to the serpent, as a first fault, never speak to snakes. Stand on the suckers. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the tree in the garden. And you, sorry, we may, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did, but, sorry, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. You'll not surely die. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. The plot thickens. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Now that sounds good. Now, the moment you touched Christ, your eyes were opened and you became like God. The very thing the devil didn't want was for your eyes to be open and for you to become like God. Now I'm made in his image, his likeness. I have the breath of God. I have the Holy Spirit who is the deposit of guaranteeing things to come. I am made in my father's likeness, in my father's image. Now I must be made and continue to be formed so I reflect that nature and image. How will I do that? By not sitting under the wrong tree. 
So, and you'll be like God, knowing evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for, good for food, see, the woman always thinks about food. She's thinking, she's thinking, if I don't get the food and take it home, he's going to be in my ear all. So here's the woman shopping in Asda, looking at the two trees. She's thinking, I can hear his stomach crying from afar off. So here I am under the garden, collecting mushrooms, chocolate, whatever it is, <laughs> compulsory purchasing, all that kind of stuff, two for one whoopsies. See, if this would have been a modern, if this would have been the modern Eve, she'd have just rang up and had it delivered. <laughs> See? That's the modern woman for you. She just had it delivered. <laughs> yeah. Serpent supermarkets. Two apples. <laughs> and when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, thinking of a stomach again, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, the wrong kind of wisdom, she took some and ate it. Uh, uh. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So the woman, because she got it wrong, then ended up her actions then became the consequence for you and I. Now, both of them were to blame. But I just think the woman was a bit more. (laughs) So the point is there, the woman. So the moment you no longer can live under the chain of command. You're subject to wrong things entering into you. Things are trying to enter into you and you must guard your faith, your courage and your understanding of the truth. Things are trying to enter into you and you must guard your faith, your courage and your understanding of the truth you've received. You must know what is truth and you must guard that truth. You may not know all truth, but you, know, you must guard the truth you have. That's the place you start, with what you know, what you've received. Don't be worrying about the things you don't understand. You can't guard what you don't understand. You can only guard what you do know and have received and know to be true. Yes? And you start from there. That's why Mary said, how can this be? She understood that babies don't come from nowhere. It takes A and B. When A and B merge... The next generation's born. Amen? So we need to know what we've been given. So Genesis 4, 7 says this. Watch this. Young people, watch this. This is so key for your life. In fact, we should put this on every young person's neck. If you do what is right, you will not be accepted. Watch. If you do what is right, Will you not be accepted? I didn't, I changed it deliberately. Didn't say you will not be. Will you not be accepted? Not that you will not be accepted. Will you not be accepted? Watch. But if you do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. This was just at the This was just before the first murder in the Bible was committed. God looks at the heart of Cain. And says, Cain, I see that there's troubled waters in your heart. Because God knows the heart. Cain, you've been sat under that tree. And that those apples you've been eating are now causing your stomach and your soul to go sour. And now your sourness is rising up as a voice. And it's about to commit a very, very serious consequence that cannot be reversed. And I'm telling you now, you, it's waiting, it's knocking at your door and it's waiting to have you and enter into you and to destroy you. He says, but you must master it. Every one of us, from time to time, have felt sour apples, the taste of those sour apples inside us, and anger's rising up within us, and we're going to give it someone. When I see them, when I see her, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. And there is the potential 
for verbal murder. Or him. There's a potential for verbal murder to be committed. True? And if that anger is not contained, physical murder, it can lead to physical murder. True? If you, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. This is Genesis 4-7. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now the problem is with that is, he went out straight away after he was told that instruction, just like you and I. Straight after church is finished. I take Johnny in the field. Johnny's my younger brother. Come on, Johnny, let's go and play in the field. Knowing I've just been instructed, given wisdom, I've just had a word of knowledge given to me, telling me what's inside my heart. And it gave me a word of wisdom with it. You must master it. So the first thing I did was ignore what pastor's saying, what God's saying through the pastor. I mean, Johnny, go and play in the field. And I've got jealousy and bitterness and anger and rage towards me and Johnny. And the first thing I do is that the opportunity is I kill my brother. Oh, you didn't kill him. You didn't kill him dead. What you did, you went to another crowd and you opened your mouth. And you killed him to another crowd. Come on. Anybody there? Anybody dead? Wave your hands. We've all been killed by someone else's tongue and we've all killed somebody else by our tongue. So then what happens is God says, comes back, he says, Tony, where have you been? Oh, just playing. Where have you been? Well, I've been in the field. Yes, I know. Because I can hear Johnny's blood crying from the ground. Because Johnny's blood has a voice. And he says, Father, get him. Do him. He's killed me. And I committed the first murder in the Bible. All because I did not master what was coming to me. All because I did not take instruction. All because, all because, all because. Then we see. Isaiah 7, 3. Watch this. When sin crouches at your door. Let me give you this heading. When sin crouches at your door. Your self-composure is critical to your victory. When sin crouches at your door, self-composure is critical to your victory. If you're flapping, you'll make a wrong choice. If that serpent is whispering in your ear, you will take the road of least resistance. You will take the choice of least resistance. Why? Because you want to feel good. Because you're so used to eating from the tree of good. You're meant to eat from the tree of God. Not good. And you think God, good is just one step away from God. No, good is nowhere near God. There's a way that seems right. But I am the way. That's a big difference. I'm not an option. I am the way. So then he says this. Then the Lord said, Isaiah 7, 3. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 3. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out. You and your son, Sheer Jashub, to meet Hayaz at the end of the aqueduct at, uh, uh, of the upper pool of the road to the washerman's field. And say to him, now watch this now. You're in, you're in potential fear. Because you know an enemy is trying to attack you. If you haven't got any self-composure, you're going to bow to the voices coming from within and without. And this is what happens. There was a group of people who was coming to kill them and bring fear to them, confusion and error to their life. The enemy knows which people to send to your life. And they can be, can be good people, but good still has a bit of evil in it. Oh, it has 50% evil in it. Amen. So here Isaiah is in, um, the Lord sends Isaiah to go and tell son of Sheer Jashub to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct in the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. And say to him, watch this, be careful. First word, write that down, be careful. When you're panicking, be careful. Be careful. Then he says this, keep calm. 
I wish we should get a t-shirt with this on. Be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. Four instructions. Be careful. In other words, be observant. Keep calm. Composure. Trust in the Lord your God. Yeah? Don't be afraid. In other words, knock some stuff out your territory. And then he says this, don't lose heart. In other words, keep your faith and your courage in what you know and in who you know. So four words you want to write on your t-shirt when you're flapping this week and you've got potential to be overthrown by these guys coming at you. Watch this. Be careful. In other words, you've got responsibility. Be careful. Be observant. Listen. Take note. Be careful. Keep calm. Keep your emotional. Keep your emotions to a minimum. In other words, focus on what's right and it will control the emotions. If you listen to the emotions, the emotions will confuse the mind. And you must focus on what God has said. Yeah? Keep calm. Don't be afraid because once you're afraid, fear will become your next action. And then he says, don't lose heart. Oh, it's so easy to lose heart. Why? And then that word, because. Now that word, because, is a very powerful word. Because, and it's, he's giving you the reason and an explanation. Because of those two smoldering stubs of firewood. In other words, don't let these two be the reason why you fear, doubt, lose heart and take courage. There's always a reason why your stomach becomes sour. Don't let that tree I told you not to eat from become the very reason why you're in trouble. Choose to, you've got to be able to divide and separate truth, the knowledge of good and evil with the way of life. You must know the difference. A way and the way, two different dimensions. Then he says this, because, there's that word again, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the sons of Romalia, Aram, Ephraim and Romalia, son, have plotted your ruin. Just like the serpent did. He's plotting your ruin. Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the sons of Tabil king over it. What did the enemy come to? To kill, steal and destroy. These boys are doing the same thing. But the word of the Lord come to him. Be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. Four instructions. Now, can you, Edna, not be afraid? Is it possible for you not to become afraid? Of course it is. That's why it tells you not. Don't be afraid. When the angel turns up, First thing he says, don't be afraid. Why? It's easy for you to say, don't be, afraid. don't be afraid. You're an angel. That's why he comes to bring calm. The angel, first of all, says, I know I'm big. I know I'm big. And I know you've never seen the likes of me before. But calm down. Why? Because when you're calm, I can speak to you. Yeah, natural fear. But it's possible. God wants to come and reverse the natural state. Why? Because he knows the enemy. You misinterpret what people say when you're full of fear. Of course you do. Now, if you're going to write anything down today, say Jericho is not my residential address. I'm passing through. These walls are coming down. So 1 Kings 8, 21. 1 Kings 8, 21. When Elijah went before the people and said... How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal is, Baal, if Baal is your God, then follow him. But the people said nothing. Now, when you say nothing, you look smart. The Bible says even a fool looks smart when he keeps his mouth shut. But the fool is still a fool. The only difference is you didn't know he's a fool because he kept his mouth shut. But inherently, he's still a fool. 
We know an idiot's an idiot because they can't keep their mouth shut. <laughs> True? Elijah went before the people of God and said, how long will you waver? In other words, he's addressing them. How long will you waver between two opinions? As long as you work with people. Watch this, Paul. You're going to learn this. As long as you work with people. As long as you work with people. In this office, they will always waver. As long as you stand with a microphone in your hand, you will always waver. And you will waver about the opinions of people. And they will waver over the opinions of people. People are the reason why we waver. Perception, perspectives, opinions are the reason why we waver. And they can knock us off course. Seriously, knock us off course. So the prophet comes out, he says, how long? How long will you waver? Now, if I was Elijah this morning, I could easily address you as the children of God and say to you, how long are you prepared to keep on wavering? Well, what do you mean, Pastor? How long will you waver above your perception, your opinions... How long will you eat under that tree of the knowledge of good and uh, of uh, evil? And how long will you linger from the tree in, under the tree of life? So you waver over here, but you must linger here, tarry here, wait here, feed from this tree. But this one, you'll always waver. Can you see this? Why? Because it's subject to opinions, perspectives, projections, and evil forces. This one is constant. I, the Lord, never change. I'm the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. You know, this word is an anchor to my soul. I can take it to the bank. That's why it says, feed from the tree of life. But over here, you'll always waver. So you're running church. I get the word of the Lord. Oh, fed from the tree of life this morning. Thank God. Oh, my soul. Thank you, Lord. I tasted and seed this morning that the Lord was good. See ya. Where'd you go to? Sit under the tree. Turn the TV on. Back under the wavering tree. In fact, we'll call it the wavering tree. You sit back under that tree and then you wonder why you're confused, beaten, downtrodden, and defeated. And God says, pick up your Bible. Nah, 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 nah. I don't want to pick up my Bible. It's easier for the pastor to speak it to me. I've got that talking Bible at church. How long will you waver? Now, sometimes as a pastor, we have to turn around and say, stop wavering. You come to us, your heart's hanging out there. Oh, pastor, help me. We have helped you. We gave you the word of the Lord this morning. Pastor, I've come to you for the word of the Lord. Open your Bible. There's a Bible full of it. But we gave you the word of the Lord and you did nothing with it. Why? Because you went straight back out and ate under the wrong tree. I had to sit under the tree to get this for you. I could have gone for apples off that tree. I know you like apples. The issue is not feeding you apples. The issue is feeding you the right apple. Because that one's going to turn your stomach sour. This one is going to taste sweet. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? There's no calories in God. So, there's always a because. Calm down. Be careful. Calm down. Keep calm. Don't lose heart. And then the other one, if it was a Mancunian, say, sort yourself out. Have a word with yourself. Sort yourself out. That's the Mancunian version. Last scripture. Ephesians chapter 2. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 2. And with this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. As for you. You were dead in your transgressions. And sins. In which you used to live. When you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. What he's saying is that was then, that time has now finished. Christ redeemed you. 
He saved you. That used to be your pattern. That used to be your operating, op, what do they call it, operating? I can't see it. That's it. <laughs> what is it, Chris? MO. That'll do for me. Uh, I can keep my teeth in and say it at the same time when I say that. That's your MO. That's what you used to be, but that's not who you are now. That's not your reference point anymore. That's not your tree. That's not your tree. Watch this. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So there's a spirit in that tree. Oh, please see this. There is a spirit in that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's why we get the will systems. Because they are spirit driven. Through men. So he says, so he's very clearly telling us that's the system that's operating. But you must not sit under that tree. Watch this. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature. Why? Because it's pleasing to the eye. And following its desires, it's pleasing. Pleasing is a desire. And we desire and thoughts. Let me read that again. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God who lives us, who leads us into triumphant procession. He who is able to keep you from falling says, eat from the tree of life. Because I, the God who breathed life into you at the beginning is the God who wants to keep on breathing life into you under this tree. There is an, an energy, there is a pleasure, there is a, to some degree, a, an element of common sense to, to go to that tree. But in the end, it will lead. It has to be desirous for it to be an error. If it was all erroneous, no one would sit under that tree. Because in his error, that's, it's, that's the, watch this, that's the software running in the background. But the hardware is pleasing. It appeals to you. That's why people go there. Write these words down, if you will. Men say. Men say. Some say. What do you say? I said, you said, we said, they said. I'm giving them again. Men say, some say, what do you say? I said, you said, we said. And they said, all these are the projections, perceptions, voices that come from that tree. I could, if I had time, I'd give you all the scriptures that go with them and show you the context. I've got them all here. Because when I come to feed you with the word of God, I make sure I'm fully prepared. And if you want them, email me and I'll give you the scriptures. Men say, men are always saying. Some say, some are always saying. What do you say? That's your opinion. But where's your opinion coming from? I said, that's my conviction. That's my response. You said, that's your opinion. We said, that was our joint agreement. They said, that's their accusation. But what did he say? What did he say? Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge. We all listen, we all like knowledge. The knowledge of good and evil. Though there's a time when we have to feed from this, there's a time to leave it. And do not set it as the priority in your life. 
as a believer, you have to be trained and reprogrammed and reconditioned to know the word of the Lord. So when you're passing through Jericho and fear is in your heart and confusion is in your heart and error is in your heart, the question to ask is, where have I been sat? What tree have I been sitting under? The first thing you must acknowledge is the tree that you live under. You know, at the back of my garden, I've got this humongous tree that blocks out, surprisingly, the light. Don't sit under the tree that blocks out the light. And every now and then, my next door neighbor and me, we go to war. Scott used to do it time and time again, cut down the trees. He just likes the fire. So we cut down the wood. And we keep cutting this thing back and it keeps on growing. Why? Because the tree of knowledge of good and evil will always keep on growing. And it will, why? Because its branches want to reach out into every stratosphere of society. But you've got to cut back that thing to let the light come in. So you know which tree you're supposed to be under. Let's stand to our feet. Two trees in the garden. There's two trees in your heart. When the Spirit of God speaks to you, he goes straight to the tree of life. When the Spirit of God speaks to you, he goes straight to the tree of life. Because that's where your roots are. John 15 tells us to remain in the vine. Stay connected, stay plugged into the vine of Jesus Christ. My father is the gardener. And he cuts off branches in me that do not bear fruit. Why don't they bear fruit? Because I allow other tree, I, I, I allow other things to, to try and graft it into my vine. And then I wonder why I'm struggling. Your father needs to prune some of your branches because they are trying to contaminate your tree. Oh, God Almighty, come on. That's why I prayed, surrender your life to the Lord. Come on, resurrender. Now you know what you've just heard. Resurrender your life again. Come on, church. Resurrender your life again. Acknowledge you've been eating from the wrong tree. You cannot succeed by feeding from the wrong tree. Oh, my Lord. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit. 